A stu stu Studio D production. Yeah. Do you remember, yeah. Mom, when I ate so much fruit that I thought I was dying? And I was like, <laughs> I have to go to the hospital. My stomach hurts so bad. And it was just I ate so much fruit that I was constipated <laughs> for like three weeks. Oh, you <laughs> ate the wrong fruit then because like grapes and cherries. No, she ate so much fruit. I was eating like the fat diarrhea that she... No, I thought it was... I My stomach was so like blocked. So... I thought that's what it was. No, either you way, I had a really bad stomach ache, and I was like, "I'm dying." I'm pretty <laughs> so, sure. Are you talking about too many mangoes when you were an adult? This is when I was an adult. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> this was like last year when I was housing at Ellen's. Oh my god. <laughs> the only time I've had any major back pain was when I had that kidney infection, and then again a couple months later when I thought that I had a kidney infection, but it turns out I was just really constipated. <laughs> what is it <laughs> girls and like it's so constant? I don't drink it I water. Didn't ask to go to the ER. Bell did. Bell went to the <laughs> ER. To yeah, have I went to the ER because I thought for sure I had a kidney <laughs> infection. I, I thought for absolute sure that I had a kidney infection and I didn't want to risk it. And so then they made me do a P test. They took my blood and they were like, we're not seeing anything. We can do an MRI and check for stones. And they come back with the MRI results. And the doctor sits down next to me and was like, do you see that? And she's like, that's poo. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, so take some Miralax, go home, get some rest. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Uh, make sure that Belle's story about confusing poop for kidney stones gets it's on. on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. She's not <laughs> ashamed of that. <laughs> no, not at all. It's actually really hilarious. <laughs> well, are we going to have a podcast? Are we going to have a podcast? Yes. Yes. I mean, if we want. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Are we already having a podcast? Yes, please. I don't know. If this I ate too many cookies. Sit down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. It's effed up family story time. Hello everyone, welcome to F'd Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And with us is everyone, because I'm sure y'all know we're still in uh, stay-at-home mode, at least for a little while, so we're still doing this remotely. Um, so bear with the audio, I know it's not great, but hopefully we can all be heard. So we're here doing episode 17. 17. Wow. And this time it's going to be Jess that's telling us the story. So be ready to turn it off halfway through. No. It's going <laughs> to be good. So it's kind of hard to believe that we have now reached the year mark since this whole process started. Now, I know it's not oh, yeah. the, the anniversary of when we started recording because I think that was in September or August. But April, like that. when we had our first meeting, we decided that we were going to move forward with this, with this, and we started working on our logo and kind of researching how we were going to do it. So, happy anniversary, guys. Yay! Happy anniversary! Tell your bird to shut up, Hannah. I think that was a bird over here. Oh, tell yeah. your bird to shut up, Shut up, bird. He's being a good, sweet boy. I bet I have neighbors that are like, 
that girl's crazy. It didn't work. <laughs> Shut up for like, I'm sure my neighbors think I'm crazy because I'm yelling at the cats. My cats are being punished right now. Or at least Ellie is. I don't know if the other two care. They're not allowed to come inside. Because they got out yesterday. And then Ellie came right back in. Buddy and Izzy were just laying on the porch. So I was like, okay, no big deal. And then when I went to go to bed, I opened the door and they were gone. Ah. Assholes. So I tried to get them with treats and they didn't come. I checked the front and Buddy had gone around to the front and came right in. Izzy nowhere to be seen. I was like, fine. She can stay out all night then. That's her problem, right? Go to bed. She gets in my window like 10 minutes later, right? Meowing to come in. So I go to the front door. She sees I'm there. But instead of coming inside, she jumps down from the window and runs to the neighbor's yard. And I was like, are you? <laughs> like, That's why? Why did you even come to the window then, you little brat? And so I went out to get her because she's so dumb sometimes that she'll just stand and start eating grass and let me walk right up to her and pick her up. And then she's like, what? Are, what? You, why? What are you doing? I don't want to go inside. <laughs> I'm like, you should have run. Well, while I'm doing that, I had the door mostly closed. Somehow, Ellie pawed it open. Like, it was up against, like, it was, like, not, like, a crack, you know? Like, it was actually touching the door jam. So she had to have pawed it open, ran outside, and ran off. I'm like, you little brat. So I go to bed. Five minutes later, she's meowing under my bedroom window. I go to have her come inside. She runs into the street and won't come inside. So... (laughs) So I finally get them all inside, and the first thing Ellie wants to do when I get up is go out. She's, like, scratching the back door and the doorknob. I'm like, fine, all three of you get outside. You're staying out all day long. I don't care. And so for about four hours, Ellie's been sitting in the living room window meowing at me, just staring at me instead of the curtains. I'm like, nope, you you want to be outside so bad? You can stay outside. This was probably all just a ploy to get you outside. They're probably sick of you being home all the time. And they're like, we have to get her out of here. We have to get them gone. (laughs) It's like that article that I sent you, like the point of view of the dog. Yeah. Irk, stay home. And the cats are like, I think it's time. (laughs) This morning, I got really excited and I was going to try and put on eye makeup just for fun. And it was about the saddest thing that has happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Um, Because I have not, I don't wear eye makeup anymore and it just didn't go very well. And I was really sad because I I took two makeup classes in college. I took an advanced makeup independent study. I used to be really good at putting on makeup. And yeah, most of that is like, I don't know, stage makeup, but still like the principles apply. So I was used to be really good. But I think that the reason that it wasn't going very well is because, and I didn't know this because I don't wear makeup, but my eyelids are starting to get that crepey effect that happens with old people. You know, when you try to put eyeshadow on old people's eyelids and it's like, Moving around yeah. yeah, so that's me. So I tried it the first time and I was like, I kept finding new things. I was like, oh, I have, I'll should I try this. And I put it on and it would be like, I, I just kept doing it. So I kept like layering on more and more. And it wasn't going very well. <laughs> so I was like, this isn't good. Let's start over. I found all the things. I'll use my favorite ones. But then the second time also did not go very well Aww. trying to put on the liquid eyeliner. So then I washed it off. Yeah. And I came out. There you go. All right. So. Who wants to have a drink? Yeah. Yay. Welcome to our third 
edition of Fucked Up Drink Corner Quarantine style, where we have all made our own drinks for you. Uh, So we will share today my drink. I went back to our roots of the beer and cider mixture just because somehow I happened to have those on hand. (laughs) Um, And I'm calling this the 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 dragsmataz I don't know yet maybe not if I come up with a better name I'll put it on but cut, it's supposed to be a play on dragon and razzmatazz you know um, the dragsmataz I like it I don't know if it works or not no I like it and I only have myself to bounce things off of everything sounds awesome um, <laughs> so the dragsmataz is a delicious raspberry provincial sour ale from Funkworks. Um, my favorite thing about it, which I didn't know until after I bought it, is that on the back it says pairs well with day drinking. So I <laughs> thought that was great. <laughs> and then I have the the recorder link, re- recorder league, the uh, Swedish. Recorder. Yeah. I don't really know how you say it. It looks oh, like <laughs> so the, the recorder league mango raspberry cider mm. so that's why it's the the drags mataz we got the raspberry provincial and the mango raspberry cider mm, it's yummy. nice did it taste good yes it tastes good it tastes like raspberries mm. and beer and cider no it's actually it's good and it's pink there's something about pink drinks that are just fun mine's pink love it you're gonna go next hannah all right so I don't have a name for mine because I am lazy and not creative. <laughs> we'll come up with a name for it like we did for you last time. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the liquor store yesterday after work and I found Midori because I love Midori. And we had Sprite at home and I was like, that's a good enough drink, just Midori and Sprite. But then I found a Svedka vodka that is like dragon fruit and melon. Ooh. I put a little bit of that in there. So it's just like a shot of that vodka and then like two shots of Midori and Sprite. Nice. Yeah, that sounds good. What could we call it that we haven't used so far? Not the creative. no-name dragon. The you can call it the mutant dragon. mutant dragon. Dragon mutant. Every time someone... <laughs> this is my favorite thing that Jessica's done. And this is enough times that she's done it that I've decided it actually is a pattern. <laughs> that is if someone will throw out a name. And Jessica will reverse those words no, no, to make okay. it like a better name. Hannah, which one do you pick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. You quit I listening? I not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 do we like mutant dragon or dragon mutant? I like mutant dragon. What about dragon melons? There's a little bit of innuendo there. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like dragon melons. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. That's good. Dragon melons. <laughs> All right. Dragon melons it is. And done. I'll go next. Um, so this morning I made an amazing, delicious quiche from scratch with scratch crust. I don't know why asparagus. that I'd be disappointed mm. when you said quiche. I was waiting for a drink. But I, <laughs> well, no, I, like I was very excited. You had my interest when you said ham and asparagus well, and golden crust. Kelly, Keep talking, please. <laughs> quiches. Like, Kelly is so good at quiches. It was, it was really good. And the crust <laughs> from scratch was really good. So since I made the quiche, Matt made the Bloody Marys. 
Okay. And Ooh. so, and then because of that whole, like me putting on a whole bunch of makeup for no reason and then taking it back off thing, I didn't finish my Bloody Mary. It was left downstairs. So I finished my Bloody Mary as the start of our drink, but I did think of a name for it. And the name is Dragon Brunch because it's the perfect accompaniment for a good old Dragon Brunch. Does that mean you're yeah. a dragon eating brunch or you're eating dragon for brunch? Let's just make it the... Dragon brunch, and it's a good old like part okay. of you have quiche no, and I you like have that. Bloody Mary, and that's the dragon. We did. No, I like you that. I'm just picturing a dragon to. having a nice brunch. He's got, <laughs> yeah, he's got his quiche, he's, he's got, got his Bloody Mary, and he's and probably got a latte blood. and a, a group of his dragon friends, and they're just having a good old dragon yeah, brunch. I even wore my brunch shirt today in yeah, honor of the dragon like brunch. Yeah, okay. So I have kind of a fun story behind my drink because I actually created it yesterday. So we were at the liquor store and I was looking for anything to buy other than champagne because I've been buying like the big bottles of like the cheap champagne and just like drinking mimosas like too much. And so I'm trying to like drink, but not like really drink. So I picked up this bottle of like blood orange rosé and I was really excited about it. And yesterday I opened it up and I poured myself a glass and it literally just tasted like orange rinds soaked in alcohol. And so I was like, ew, gross. Ew. I had orange juice from all of the mimosas that I had been drinking. So I put some orange juice in it and I sipped it and I was like, hmm, better. And then I made Kyle try it because I made Kyle try it the first time and he was like, ew, gross, right? Because it's not, it's not good wine. It's really, really gross. So he takes a sip of like the orange juice wine mixture, which kind of looks like dirt. And he What so was the wine brown? No, it's like it's like an orangey pink, but like mixed with like because we have we bought just like cheap orange juice from Safeway, but it is like fluorescent orange, right? So is it not real orange juice? Is it like the is it like the Tampico I not? I think like... it's real orange juice, but I think they just dyed it because it's really, really orange orange juice. <laughs> But it's 100% orange juice. I don't Weird. know. Safeway. Anyway. Yeah. So I made Kyle try it. And he was like, this would be good in like a little frozen drink. And I was like, ooh, a frosé? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, we have berries in the freezer that I haven't touched in like a year. So I have all of these freezer burned berries that I haven't used for anything. So I threw them in. And yesterday I found out that that made the wine drinkable. I'm going to drink it because it was $12. And I don't have the money right now to waste $12. But it makes it, it's actually really good. So I'm calling it the Drunk Dragon. Because mm. there is a lot of wine in here. So the Drunk Dragon? The Drunk Dragon. Drunken mm. Dragon? Dragon drinking. Drunk <laughs> Dragon. Alliteration, Drunk Dragon. Do you so, think the Drunk Dragon drinks and flies? Because it's dangerous. <laughs> so, as you can see, I drink all mine. So and that fell flat. <laughs> um, Cross so that off my funny jokes list. My drink, I was going to just do, I have, so I have tequila and I have beer. What? I just want to ask why you always just have weird drink com combinations. Tequila and blow, tequila and beer. And I like to drink beer. I mean, That's what is tequila and beer is not weird, no. That's actually really the least weird combination of alcohols that I think many of oh, us... Hard liquor and beer. <laughs> but anyway, I made a tequila sunrise, which is just orange juice and grenadine and tequila, and then I used a half a beer. So it's kind of like a Corona Rita, 
you know, where you just with have tequila. your margarita, but you mix beer with it. So it's a tequila sunrise with beer mixed with yeah, it. And nice. It is called, and because the beer I had was Fat Tire, it is called the Fat Dragon Sunrise. Fat Dragon Sunrise. I like it. So I like Fat Dragon Sunrise. All right, are we ready for a podcast? Yeah. yeah. Are you ready yeah. to start telling your story? No. Okay. So disclaimer before I start my story. This is in no way any sort of commentary for, against anything about our current situation. I just thought it'd be fun to talk about quarantine stuff on the podcast. I am not criticizing, applauding, or anything. Choices that people have made or stupid or not stupid things people have said. I just thought it'd be fun to talk about quarantines. Okay, cool. Through the ages. Quarantines throughout history, huh? I kind of like that. Really yeah. It's a reminder that we're not, you know. This isn't new. Yeah. Um, but really, we're going to focus on one hospital that is has is purportedly haunted. And there's all sorts of sightings and things. And there's a lot we could talk about in other podcasts that we're not going to talk about today. But we're going to follow the journey of this hospital from the beginnings through its quarantine history to when it was even moved and quarantine history again and the new site is is supposedly haunted um and it's all of course in new york because where else would we have lots of people we need to isolate in the 1800s besides new york city um (laughs) both of these hospitals were on so here's what they have in common it's one hospital that went through many names and even moved from one island to another island and we'll start at the very beginning. We're gonna start with an island that's in the middle of the East River. Um, At the beginning, this island was called Blackwell Island and it was owned by the Blackwell family. Um, It's still an island you can go visit today and you can see the old Blackwell Manor. You can't, currently can't go into any of the buildings. Um, There's a lot with this island. There's a lot more going on than just the hospital that we could talk about what we're not going to. Essentially, New York City Uh, was becoming overloaded with its facilities. Um, And they had this great idea that we could make everything better by moving some of these facilities to this island. Um, It's like 140 some odd acres. We've got lots of room, can put things out there and relieve the overflow in some of the hospitals um, and other places. Over the years, there were lots of buildings that were built on this island. So they planned from the very, very beginning to have these buildings started out. The first thing that was built was the penitentiary, penitentiary. So this was intended for people who committed serious crimes and were sentenced to anywhere from about six months to two years in prison. And with that came the penitentiary, I can't say penitentiary very well, hospital. So 1832 the hospital. And that's what we're going to focus on for this. But over the years, the next thing to be built was actually a lunatic asylum in 1839. And that that is a whole crazy story we could do on another podcast that included an expose and where a lot of the haunting stories center around for this island. And then they had an almshouse for the poor that was finally finished in 1848, as well as a workhouse for minor crimes Um, in 1852. So this island was really supposed to offload a lot of that kind of infrastructure out of the city. But intentions being what they were did not turn out so well. It actually, high level was very, very 
mismanaged, dangerous uh, place that it ended up being. We're going to focus on the hospital. So the hospital started out when it was built. It was named the Penitentiary Hospital. <laughs> um, and it was intended to provide medical care for residents of the penitentiary, the workhouse, the almshouse, as well as sick individuals who lived in New York City. So it wasn't just supposed to be for the residents of the island, but it was all supposed to be a place where sick individuals could go when they needed treatment. However, it started as just one room on the top floor. I'm just going to start saying prison because I can't say penitentiary over and over again very well. Um, <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> started as just one room, not even the whole top floor, one room on the top floor of the prison um, that ended up housing hundreds of men who were prisoners, um, eventually expanding to take up the entire top floor. Uh, most of the men were suffering from syphilis. Okay. And one reporter you know, who did a story had a quote similar to like, I challenge anyone to walk through there and not become sick to their stomach. Um, you know, oh. that all uh, men in all stages of syphilis illness, smell was horrible. The women prisoners were a little luckier. They were housed in two pavilions at the tip of the island. So they actually had ventilation and fresh air, which were considered essential for recovering. Again, most of those women were suffering from syphilis. So this was just turning into a syphilis-ridden hospital. Um, Yay! I mean, oh. yeah. Uh, even to the point where the commissioner like lauded the hospital as the venereal hospital in New York City. Like the claim to fame was like, we are the place to go. Um, was there no cure for syphilis? At this the, time, no. At this time, no. Okay. This is 1832 when it all started. Okay. When was syphilis cured? 1920s, I want to say. You're a wealth of knowledge. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks. I did not look it up. That was some weird thing filed in the back of my head that could be totally misfiled and inaccurate. So feel free to fact check us listeners and email us at ffsthepodcast at gmail.com correcting my inaccuracies. Or comment on our Facebook page if you have anything you want to say. Send us a message on Facebook. You say, Jess, you giant moronic idiot. You could also uh, comment on our Twitter. I Googled it. If you yeah, guys I did know, too. we have a Twitter. I was off. It was the 1930s, wasn't it? I almost said 1930s. What's the answer? It, uh, study began in 1932. Syphilis was a widespread problem. There was no safe treatment. By 1947, penicillin showed to be an effective cure and was becoming widely yeah. used. They, so it was the almost 1950s they, before they actually found they like were, a cure. Yeah, they were researching it and trying things and learning about antibodies and things like that from like the late 1800s um, and syphilis was a primary um, disease that was involved in that. But that, you just took away the opportunity for our audience yeah. to get involved. Oh, you're right. You can still email us. Yeah, you can still talk to us. We're lonely. Are you lonely? We're lonely too. So talk to us. Enough to comment on any of my drink posts. I know you're in the middle of your, your story, but I have to give a shout out now because we're talking about it. The only person the only fan that we have that's commented is Gina. Love you, Gina. Thank you for your support. I hope you're doing well out there in these crazy times. Anna, make a cross-stitch pattern that says, we love you, Gina. We love you, Gina. 
Um, I do want to shout out to my friend Stephanie because she tagged our Facebook page the other day. So thanks, Stephanie. I know you're Hi, listening. So we I love, love you, Stephanie. Gina. Thanks, Stephanie. Two cross stitch patterns. For but you. we also love everyone who listens, even if everybody who listens, even if you don't comment, share okay. share us with your friends. So an, another pod or another cross stitch. We love all of you your validation that's what you we should cross stitch we need your validation boost our egos and tell us that we're good we're coming up on our year mark we need an annual review people to understand if we're performing annual review. all right getting involved in energetic comments is just like syphilis so start with your story syphilis just go so here's the biggest problem with the penitentiary hospital, though. You had to go to prison to be able to go there. <laughs> so if you weren't a prisoner at the penitentiary, you couldn't utilize the hospital, which was originally intended for the sick of New York. So here's what went down. If you couldn't afford a private hospital, then you could apply to receive care at a city hospital. Now, in New York City, there was still Bellevue Hospital, the infamous Bellevue Hospital, which could be a podcast of its own. Yeah. Uh, and what happened is they would be examined to see what their illness was, while at the same time they would be investigated to make sure they were truly destitute. And not just themselves being destitute, but that they had no family or friends who could pay their bills for them. Now, for most illnesses they'd be admitted to Bellevue. But if they had syphilis or any other venereal disease, then they weren't just sent, they weren't, it wasn't just like, okay, you go to the hospital on Blackwell Island. No, they were sent to police court. So they had to go to police court and voluntarily commit themselves um, under the act of vagrancy. So they had to basically say okay. they were vagrant and then voluntarily commit themselves to prison. Um, their sentence was usually one to six months, but was kind of arbitrarily determined by the police justice. So just whatever he felt like, like, you get two, you get six. Like, What a shame. Like, how how bad do you have to shame somebody for having sex? I know. And, like, you know, like, making a mistake and getting sick. <laughs> like, Yeah. Vagrancy. Like, yeah. you can go to this hospital if you're a criminal. Oh, what, you got? a vd well now you have to voluntarily say you're a criminal but like there's so many problems with that right there could be women whose husbands were out doing who knows what yeah. and come home and give their wives <coughs> syphilis you know or um, vice versa vice versa I, mean, I don't know how often that happened back then but or a poor man gets drunk and hires a prostitute and gets syphilis like you know and then also the arbitrary, like, oh, I'm going to sentence you however I feel like as the police justice kind of thing. And the other problem is, even though they voluntarily committed themselves, they were treated like all the other convicts. So they had to wear prison stripes and had the same restrictions and all of that as all the other criminals who were actually there. Some of them committed felonies and ended up in the penitentiary. And then they weren't in immediately moved to the hospital. Um, they were just put in prison and then eventually would be moved to the top floor for treatment. Um, the other totally messed up thing is that even children who ended up with venereal disease had to go to jail That's to receive. Sad. Like what? one of the one of the ones that was called out in the book I read was of a 
you know, one of the doctors discovered a 13-year-old girl who was in the penitentiary hospital. So it was turning into quite a not great place. So this place that was supposed to be intended to be another city hospital for people who couldn't afford it in the mid-1800s was now just treating people horribly. So eventually, around uh, mid-1840s, there was a lot of talk that started to come up about this, and a lot of people began to argue against what was going on, specifically the resident physician, um, Dr. Sanger. They were arguing the point of how there were so many, so many ways to get syphilis without being a criminal, basically, and how yeah. these who had to go there, their lives were ruined after being imprisoned with thieves and felons and now they couldn't get jobs or their families disowned them or other things like that. So it became a big thing. Um, one thing that, that I thought was funny um, is that eventually by 1886 um, there was a book oh I didn't write the whole thing down I left my book, I'll have to look it up. But it's something like Danger, the Truth Behind illicit behavior or something like that i'll have let me the title was just funny i just it's like danger exclamation mark um (laughs) others argued that the system was also just keeping prostitution going because um people would go in do their zero to six months whatever they were sentenced to get treat you know get treated and then can go back out and prostitutes would go back to you know, being prostitutes, and then they'd get treated again. So it was kind of this cycle. And at this time, too, the treatment for syphilis was mercury, which we all know about the crazy side effects of mercury these days, but it was a very common um, treatment, mercurial treatment. Let me poison you with this heavy metal (laughs) to treat your maladies. And it did, in a lot of ways, it did kind of help the symptoms of it you know and but yeah so mercury was the treatment and what as we all know now one of the side effects of mercury treatment is death Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so doesn't it make people go crazy too doesn't it make people that's where the term comes from because they used mercury in their hatting that's not what it's called but what is it called when you make hats is it hatting (laughs) (laughs) the word for making hats a fancy name for a place that sells things like hats is haberdashery, which sells men's accessories like hats and ties and things. But there's yeah, but a name. There's a fancy name for the making person hats. who does it too, isn't it? They're, I don't know. They're hatters. I bet they're a haberdasher. And I bet that the process of making hats is haberdashing. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look really good in a hat, you're also haberdashing. <laughs> well, okay, Same so said it. they're milliners that's right millinery, millinery is yes. the designing and manufacture of hats millinery also known as the haberdasher who is haberdashing <laughs> to make hats for his haberdasher awesome. and he looks haberdashing when he wears his hats <laughs> I love the milliner down the street the so haberdashing <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there were no haberdasheries or milliners on Blackwell Island, just so you know. (laughs) Just the mercury poisoning. (laughs) There there wasn't enough mercury to go around, so the the haberdashers and milliners had to go get it elsewhere. Um, (laughs) My headphones just died. Um, But doesn't syphilis make you crazy, too? 
like mercury poisoning. Yeah. So they're, giving, they're getting a double dose thought, of crazy. Yeah, people thought that Hitler was crazy because he had syphilis when he died. Oh. And so did um, Al, Al Capone. So we've made it to like the 1840s, I think, Woo-hoo. possibly. And people are starting to wonder if this whole system with all the syphilis and venereal disease and the way to treat it is just perpetuating prostitution. Um, so Dr. Sanger began to do a bunch of research. Dr. Sanger conducted a survey. He surveyed 2,000 prostitutes between the ages of 15 and 77, which, I mean... 77-year-old prostitute? <laughs> Good <laughs> for her. I mean, Good if, for her. if you live to be that old in the mid-1800s, like... Whoa. Yeah, yeah. like, get it. <laughs> and, and live that lifestyle? I read it three times because it was written out in instead of it wasn't like the numbers it was written out and i was like yeah that says 77 <laughs> yeah that says 77 good for her and through that research um they found a lot of information you know they asked questions about their history and their lives and they were very very amazed so one of the questions that they asked them was like what made you become a prostitute right um and had a wide range of answers from things like you know, um, destitution or, you know, abuse or, you know, things like that. But they were very shocked that the second highest answer of over 500 women were just, was what they labeled as inclination, meaning they liked having sex. Good for them. I just wanted to. Good for them, man. I... You know, you were saying that you don't want to spout any, you know, we already talked about universal health care, but sex work should be legal work. People are always going to pay for sex, and we should, you know, like, protect them. People are always going to pay for sex, and it can either be legal or illegal, and we can protect them, or we can just let them die on the street. I mean, it's been a thing for hundreds of years. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Exactly. Exactly. So... This Dr. Sanger was a little progressive and even believed, as well as some others, that they should decriminalize prostitution, but make it um, regulated under some mm-hmm. some sort of police thing where they would have to get tested and they would be required to not work if they had an illness until they were treated and all that kind of stuff. But as we can see, that never happened because yeah. look at we're where still we're fighting that battle, yeah. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that they were so shocked and there was even a bunch of quotes about how, how crazy that was because women, you know, don't show like things like have to be tempted to be aroused. They don't aren't just aroused all the time. Like, it don't, you know, <laughs> they're not like thing. men, they, you know, stuff like that. So I thought that was funny. So they were very amazed um, that over 500 women and it was the second most common reason the other was destitution um but that only beat it out by like 15 answers so i thought that was interesting um i'm leaving my stuff very vague because i think if you're interested and you want to know more read damnation island by stacy horn but only read the chapter on the hospital because someday i may do something on the lunatic asylum so don't read that chapter yet so through this you know there was a lot of research done eventually 
Um, they built a separate hospital based on a lot of uh, recommendations and a lot of not fighting. I can't think of the right word, but people being like, this sucks and you're treating people inhumanely and this is stupid. And so, you know, that kind of stuff, whatever that's called. So here's the best part, though. Here's how this island keeps just failing over and over. They finally built it. Immediately after it was built, it was deemed unfit for use and for habitation. Habitation. That's how the right does that word. happen? Habitation. So, like, it was built, and they're like, nobody can live here. <laughs> However, they yeah, used it that anyway. Was piss poor planning there. I'd like to talk to the city and civil engineer in charge of that job. The 1850s. So, what can you do, right? Uh, but they used it anyway and started putting patients in the unfit hospital. Sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> in spite of that, over the coming years, they started making more reforms. Um, there were plans created to make the hospital open to people who weren't criminals. Well, that sounds lovely. Yeah, so they're making progress in this uninhabitable um, building that they're, <laughs> that they're inhabiting. And then... It, I liked this quote from the, the way she phrased it in the book, but it was like, in what was considered a stroke of luck, fire burned down the awful hospital, <laughs> <laughs> which led to a good hospital being open. Now, oh. this time, when they um, opened this new hospital, when they opened the hospital that was deemed unfit, they also renamed it Island Hospital. Um, and then it burned down. They built a good building, continued to call it Island Hospital. So it changed from Penitentiary Hospital to Island Hospital. Nobody was hurt. That's why it was a stroke of luck that the fire came, because the inhabitants survived. Nobody was Was killed. it a stroke yeah. of luck, or was it fate? Because they put all of these patients into a hospital that they knew wasn't going to be able to handle all these fucking patients. Yeah. And then they sat there while the building was burned down and was like, oh, well, we couldn't have done anything. Yeah. Like, Is it wrong that for some reason I thought you were going to say, was it a stroke of luck or was it arson? I don't know why. <laughs> I, thought that's what I, was I think it was might it have been arson. arson. <laughs> um, and at this time, like when the fire happened, the there were like giant metal straps that were like holding the building together like that's how crappy and it wasn't even that old it's not like this was a 50 60 year old building it was a yeah. few years old also at the time they had not finished their reform to make it so that uh people so that patients didn't have to be prisoners so when the fire happened everybody was locked up in their cells or their rooms or so they were lucky enough to be able to get everybody out nobody died yeah, so it was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> Good times. Good times. <laughs> um, but it led to a decent hospital um, being built. Um, and with that, even with the crappy hospital, when all this was happening, it created eventually created separate hospitals for the penitentiary, the um, workhouse, and the almshouse. So they kind of were able to then separate the different populations that they were moving to this island into their own hospitals, including a hospital for non-criminals to come to if they had illnesses. And over the years, they moved from being the venereal disease hospital <laughs> to a lot of different specialties. At one point, it was a smallpox hospital, a civil war hospital, an epileptic and paraplegic hospital. They were um, adaptable. And then at the end of its life on Blackwell Island, 
Um, it was renamed Charity Hospital. Um, there are mentions of several different reverends who came in and tried to make changes. You know, even through all of this, there's still a lot of reports of inappropriate um, actions happening. Um, as it was Charity Hospital, there are like reports of killing convalescent patients um, and things like that. Uh, they did experiments, which when you word it that way, seems like evil. But it was during that time in the 1800s where there was a lot of experience experiments in medicine, right? We're going to try transfusions. We're going to try yeah. all these different things. Um, one of the craziest ones, though, well, there are a few crazy things. What were you going to say, Belle? Well, even like, you know, now, like a lot of the testing that they do is still... It's, like, very more regulated, obviously, but, like, you, even with, like, placebo, like, you're choosing a group of patients, you're giving them a drug that might work, and then you're giving these other patients nothing, and you're just, like, letting them suffer, you know? And so it's, like, it has to be a lot of medicine. But they like, won't it has really to be sign up for that. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. That is true. And so, like, it is, it is definitely, like, a lot more regulated, but, like, you think yeah. about, like, the strides that we've made in medicine and how many lives that were lost to make those strides to like save so many others. And it's just like kind of sad, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But I mean, that's kind of the way science is, you know, Yeah, you have um, to make mistakes in order to learn. And it's unfortunate yeah. when the mistakes are human lives, but yeah. Um, and this was a huge time of experiment. I mean, even over the next like 50 to a hundred years, like medical mm-hmm. experiments were huge and trying new things, um, you know, so some of the things that some of the weird things that I read about in this book that they did um, was um, so at one point that was a tuberculosis hospital and there was a woman who was suffering from lesions on her lungs and ribs from tuberculosis. So they attempted to inject her with milk from a woman in the maternity ward, thinking that mother's milk would. Now, while it didn't hurt her, it didn't help her. And there was some, I forget the exact comment, but basically the doctor was like, yeah, from now on, I think we'll just stick to blood transfusions. Um, like so things they like injected that. milk into her bloodstream? I, yeah. Okay. So we're almost done with the hospital before it moved, but we still have to get to the hospital moving, guys. And cool. then, okay. <laughs> so some of the more notable experiments, I talked about the mother's milk thing. There were two different attempts to hypnotize patients instead of using anesthesia and then performing brain surgery on them. In both instances, while they could not move, the patients were 100% aware of everything that was going on um, and described it all afterwards. So similar to uh, what, oh, what is it called? I knew I should have written the term down, but there's the... Um, phenomenon for some people who even when put under anesthesia are in like that waking sleep and know everything that's going on. And like remember every part of the surgery and like that is like one of my biggest fears. (laughs) So that was one and then the weirdest one to me was a there was a kid it didn't really explain a ton about what happened to his leg but basically he had a, a broken bone in his lower leg that didn't heal right. There's a picture somewhere that I did not look up online because I didn't want to see it of like his ankle just like flopping. Um, and so this doctor says, I've had some success taking animal bones and grafting them into humans. So 
he took a dog, kept the dog alive, cut the dog's vocal cords so that the patient, the boy, this boy is only like 12, um, couldn't hear the dog whining, removed the dog's bone, but then after he put the bone in the boy, attached the skin of the dog to the boy in hopes that the dog would continue to supply blood to the bone until it fused with the boy and could remain viable. That's not what happened. My doctor was trying to make a fucking werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, yes, right! (laughs) Oh my god, Mel. From the lack of knowledge that doctors used to have, we all could have been doctors back then. (laughs) And they came up with, there's a word for it. See, I should have written more. When I got to this point, because like I told you, I just wrote this this morning, my full sentences and my notes turned into just random things written down. So like my notes here say experiments hypnotize dog bone. Um, (laughs) There's a term for grafting like living skin to other living skin. So like he was one of the first to do whatever that's called. And now I don't remember what it is. So cut this out because now it makes no sense. And I just look really stupid. But so he actually like advanced technology in some way by doing this. It just oh, okay. should have done it with the dog. Is that no, I wouldn't say he advanced it because it was a complete failure and they ended up having to amputate the lower half of the boy's leg. But if I remember right, like he paid for that boy to go to medical school and he became a doctor or something like that later. Okay. I st- I didn't read that. Sorry, I, st- I did this weird ass thing with the dog with you, but here's some money for med school. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of the end of the hospital on Blackwell Island. Um, Blackwell Island is currently called Roosevelt Island in the East River. <gasps> I, the island moved. I know, me too. That's kind of what sparked this. We bought that book, Damnation Island. From the gift shop there. Um, oh. The crazy thing. The gift shop. I missed it. It's tiny. So when we got there, there were like two other pairs of people visiting the island, and we couldn't all fit in the gift shop at the same time. <laughs> but the cool thing I think about Roosevelt Island now is that it's inhabited. So you still have. Uh, Several of the buildings, the ruins are still there. Um, When we went, you couldn't go into any of them anymore. I think they were renovating the Blackwell Manor, and I believe that will be open again to tours and stuff, but it wasn't at the time. Um, You could see it from the outside, and you could see the old hospital from the outside. And there's apartment buildings and restaurants and cars. Like People live on this little island in the middle of the East River now, so it's not just kind of an abandoned um, place, but they still say that the hospital is haunted and all sorts of crazy things go on in there. And so while other things still existed on Roosevelt Island in 1885, the hospital, which by that point had been renamed Riverside Hospital, was actually moved to North Brother Island, which is now part of the Bronx, but it's an island in the river. kind of like Roosevelt Island. And we will pause there, and when we come back, we'll talk about North Brother Island. And it's haunted. We aren't really talking about haunted stuff, but I don't know. It's haunted by things. (laughs) Right. Right on. Cool. And break! 
Okay, so our journey has now taken us to North Brother Island. Um, there is a South Brother Island, so just so you know, it's not just a weird random name where they just decided <laughs> to call it North Brother Island. Um, they kind of pair them together, but North Brother Island is where the Riverside Hospital was relocated. And that sounds weird, like they picked up the hospital and moved it there, but it was a different building um, on the island. But they shut down um, and repurposed the hospital on Blackwell Island, also known as Roosevelt Island, in 1885, and opened it on North Brother Island. Um, it served as a quarantine hospital uh, throughout the years for a lot of things like the tuberculosis outbreak and... That TB! The TB! There were many people over the years quarantined there up to the 1930s, up through the 1930s. So um, from about 1880 to, to the, the 1880s to the 1930s, it was a quarantine island um, and utilized the hospital starting in 1885. Many of the patients were quarantined there against their will. Um, there are crazy things on the island like carvings in some of the the uh, ruins that say things like help me, they won't let me leave, like things like that um, carved into the stone. And you can find some pretty, there's been a lot of like photo essays done of it and you can find some pretty interesting images. So that's Rather some of the, the things that attribute to stories of hauntings is kind of some of those scratchings that they found. Um, but there were a lot of people who were held there against their will quarantined there against their will. The most infamous inhabitant of North Brother Island was a woman named Mary Mallon, Ooh. a.k.a. Typhoid, typhoid Mary. Mary. Oh, Typhoid Mary. So she um, was quarantined on North Brother Island in the Riverside Hospital. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit about the story of Typhoid Mary. Uh, Typhoid Mary, or Mary Mallon, was an Irish immigrant. She was a cook, and she had, uh, she was a carrier of typhoid fever, but she was an asymptomatic carrier, which means that she did not have any of the symptoms, including, like, getting sick, you know, at all, from typhoid, but she carried it and could transmit it. And then we'll get into some of these things about whether or not we believe Mary about some things, because I feel like it's a little suspicious, her behavior. Um, but ultimately, uh, Mary was a cook um, in New York. Um, she worked for several places. So starting in the 1900s, she worked for several different employers. The odd thing about this was that each of the places that she worked, after she had been there for a while, people would start getting sick with typhoid. And the funny thing is, is that Mary would leave very quickly after people started getting ill and move on to another house. Um, through from between 1900 and 1906, over those years, she worked for eight different families. And out of those eight families, seven families had multiple household members who got sick um, with typhoid fever, including one uh, dying. Um, but through all of this, Mary protested and refused to believe that she 
carried typhoid fever, that she was a carrier. So she was always saying, I'm not sick. It's not me. I don't have it. When all these people, all these well-to-do, so at this point, though, nobody really knew for sure that Mary was the carrier making all these families sick, but she was, you know, kind of the one common thing. Came um, A question came up of, like, why are all these well-to-do families getting sick, right? Typhoid was considered to be you know, something more of the lower class um, exposed. So why are all these well-to-do families getting sick? Another case where nobody cares until the rich start getting sick. (laughs) True. Anyway. So (laughs) they hired a typhoid researcher named George Soper to investigate, like, why are these families getting sick? And through this, that's where he discovered this connection with Mary. Um, and that the families would get sick, and very soon after they started to show signs of the illness, Mary would move on to the next family, which is just weird to me. Um, So he approached Mary at one of the houses she was working at and actually asked her for um, samples. Um, Fecal and urine samples is how they tested for the bacteria. Um, She refused to provide any samples and even came at him with a cleaver when he asked for samples. (laughs) and then shortly after that first time he found her um she left and moved on to another family so it became very hard to kind of track mary and find her um some of the things that they discovered about mary well okay sorry let me take a step back so then in about 1907 they were able to track mary down um and because of the tie um between all the families they forced her um Legally, I guess. I don't know how legal anything was they did in 1907. But they forced her to provide samples that they tested and found the bacteria. Um, And so they forced her to be quarantined on North Brother Island. And what they found from talking to her was that she rarely washed her hands, which was not uncommon back then because the whole understanding of how bacteria spreads was not um, they weren't as knowledgeable as we are now, but she rarely washed her hands. And and the big thing that they believed was transmitting this was her specialty dessert, which was ice cream with fresh peaches on it. So she was not washing her hands, slicing up the peaches, the families were eating them, and getting the typhoid bacterium in their system. Mary was on a mission to eat the rich, and I respect yes. that. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't know about you guys. I try to let you guys chime in with your weird conspiracies, but like, <laughs> she. Me, I'm the one with all the weird conspiracies. <laughs> she, well, here's the thing she claimed. So she was quarantined from 1907 to 1910. The entire time she was there, she adamantly said that she didn't have it. She did not believe she carried typhoid. So why did she leave every family immediately after they got sick? Like, she didn't catch it. She didn't have it. She didn't want to catch it. I can't tell if you really believe that or if you're being sarcastic. I don't know, Kelly. I'm mostly being sarcastic. I mean, it could be that she's like, oh, they're sick. You know, oh, they're sick. I don't get it. But it seems a little suspicious to me. Like, oh, shit, I better run again. How stupid do you have to be to not eventually see the connection? Do you well, know what I, I mean? mean? In 1907, like, when everybody around you is just like dropping dead from diseases all over the place, you're kind of just like trying to avoid it the best you can. Yeah, <laughs> like, and like, I wonder if 
like what was their understanding of people being asymptomatic carriers of any disease in 1907 so like it's i i don't know typhoid mary is weird for me because i do believe that like a lot of it was just not having the information and like i don't think she would have done that maliciously but then there also is an argument that like she knew that, that it was happening like you're saying like she ran away every time that someone got sick well- but, like, I think a lot of it is just to do with the lack of knowledge surrounding yeah. disease. So here's the, here's the thing, though. Like, so just take what we have so far. We're in 1907. She's forced quarantined up until that point. Okay, maybe she doesn't know. Asymptomatic. They don't really know about it. They know enough about it to be able to research it and trace it back to her, even though she's not sick. But as a most likely very either uneducated or very low education completed low level educated you know what i'm trying to say i could see how mary might not know right but they quarantine her they force her to continue to give samples that they can test and they find the bacterium in the samples they tell her this and she still adamantly refuses that she carries typhoid fever so even with the tests and all that she's still like no i don't have it um, they wanted to remove her gallbladder. I couldn't find a lot about this, but they, it appeared that they believed that the bacteria was in her gallbladder and that taking it out would fix it. Um, but she refused, stating, I don't have typhoid fever. You can't remove my gallbladder. So, okay. so okay, up till that point, right? But, like, at what point does okay. she, like, right? Like, look <laughs> at the test. So then in 1910, some high guy like the governor i forget now i didn't write that down i told you my notes devolved as i got to the end of this um but he determined that it was not um right to force quarantine people and so they freed her based on a promise from her to stop cooking for families she was no longer allowed to be in the profession of cook and to basically just be clean like have basic hygiene wash your hands that kind of stuff so she left in 1910 and spent several years as a laundress. After several years, she decided that, you know, being a laundress didn't pay as much money. So she decided she couldn't survive as that, changed her name to Mary Brown, and started cooking for families again. Ugh. So that's where it gets to the, like, she's still refusing to admit that she has typhoid. Yeah. Um, so she's, so... Over the next five years, there were outbreaks of typhoid fever at each job she had as a cook, leading up to 1915, where there was an outbreak at the Sloan Hospital for Women, where she was a cook, where 25 people were infected and two people died. And so they have linked that outbreak to Mary Mallon, Mary Brown. Um, So then at that point, they were like, look, you broke your promise. You can't be trusted. You weren't supposed to be a cook. And they quarantined her again up until the time of her death from pneumonia at age 69 um, in 1939. So it's that second half that makes me wonder how much did she know during the first half? How much did she really know if she was willing to change her name like and go back on her word? Yeah. um, when she got freed from quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, So over the course of, so from about 1901 to 1915, when she was permanently quarantined, um, they estimate that 51 people, this is all that they could link to her. They imagine it's probably much more that they can't trace to her, but they attribute uh, 
51 confirmed cases of the illness linked to her and three deaths. Now, she was not the only um, asymptomatic carrier of typhoid fever that they found, but she's the most infamous because of how her reaction um, to finding out and her refusal to do anything to help keep it from spreading to other people. What and a bitch. I, <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's like the people who are going to the stay-at-home protests. Well, Again, also, I mean, even if yeah, like, the opinions expressed by my work. podcast co-members are not necessarily the opinions of mine. Yeah, <laughs> well, and I also, I don't know, like, you also think, like, back in the early 1900s, like, maybe all she knew how to do was cook and didn't really feel like she had any other option, you I know? I mean, she was a lot but at the same for time, many years, though. Yeah, that's true. You know, but at the same time, she knew, and she knew that she had this, and she blatantly disregarded it, and, you know, I mean, I think she kind of deserved, even if she didn't do it maliciously, the fact that she knew that she had it and changed her name and went through all of that trouble. Yeah, it's that that one that, like, she changed her name and went back out there. Mm -hmm. It became more of a selfish thing because, I mean, it was hard to survive back then. I get it. She couldn't make as much money as a laundress. Um but still, it was that selfishness yeah, that that yeah. caused her to. And go I mean, I know just you're like, money. you know, you don't speak for us, but I agree with Hannah. Like, it's the same kind of selfishness. Like, we're all kind of doing this together, and like, I don't know, if you're gonna go out there and protest in hordes. <laughs> and I think the hard part that I have with Mary Mallon going back to work as a cook is that it was shown that it transmits through food. So it's not even just as much of like being around people, but she is making things that people are going to ingest, going into these people's homes Mm -hmm. where it has been proven that what she cooks can make people sick. Now, if it was what, what she doesn't cook, essentially it's the raw foods. It's the things that aren't cooked um, or are handled after being cooked, like, you know, touched by her after, being cooked so i think I that's think she just start washing her damn hands and cooking the fucking peaches like maybe that would have solved the you problem know. well i like i i i did, don't necessarily agree with her forced quarantine the first time but after she went back out and broke her word on like i won't cook anymore i won't wash my hands like yeah put her back in quarantine forever like her word was, I won't cook anymore. I won't wash my hands. Oh, did I say I won't wash my hands? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to be a laundress and wash clothes. And so she changed her name and went back to being a cook. When she got quarantined again, like she was just quarantined in the hospital forever. But eventually they let her wash lab equipment in the hospital. So she went back to washing things. Keep those hands in hot water. <laughs> so, yeah, she did many interviews, and in all of them, she never, she always said she did not believe she had it. Yeah. Well, I think she suffered from some sort of pathy. Psychopathy, sociopathy, <laughs> stupid pathy. Stupid pathy. Stupid pathy, that should be a <laughs> Stupid pathy. Um, and there are many who believe that one of the ghosts that haunts North Brother Islands is Mary Mallon. So now in contrast to Roosevelt Island, which is a hipster trendy place to live that New Yorkers make fun of people who live there. Apparently I didn't know that part. 
uh, North Brother Island is like completely overgrown. The buildings are all in ruins. It's closed to the public um, and it has been deemed a national bird sanctuary now. There have been conversations for several years. For several years about whether or not they want to open it to the public as like a no touch kind of nature site. But currently it is closed and um, you can see it from a boat and that's about it. Or if you get special permission, like some of the photographers who've done the picture essays um, of stuff that I saw online. That's it. That's all. Typhoid, syphilis, Mary Island. (laughs) Is it time for... Things that don't suck. suck. I always want to go things that don't suck after we do that. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, who has something that doesn't suck? I'm going to go first. I'm on vacation. Yay. Vacation. Super happy thought. This is vacation. What is it? Happening. Something from it's a check of some sort. It's my no, it's my state deposit, but that's nice. Your refund? Yeah. Is that your thing that doesn't suck? No, my thing that doesn't suck is almost as good as a two hundred dollar check. That's one thing that doesn't suck. But my initial thing that doesn't suck was Kyle went to the grocery store yesterday without me and came home with a pot of flowers and then repotted them because we have a bunch of extra pots. Repotted them for me, and now we have flowers. Oh, amazing! They're purple, my favorite color. What a sweet guy! That's awesome. He's a good man. Well, that's cool. I like it. Okay, who else? I'll go. Mine's silly and weird. Okay, so I do my grocery delivery from Walmart these days um, because King Supers never has slots open to deliver to my house. Um, and for all this time, I've only been ordering groceries because it's grocery delivery. And I've recently discovered the plethora of other Walmart items you can get with your grocery delivery, like craft paint. I got embroidery floss on my last yep. order, um, washcloths, <laughs> washcloths. Cause I ran out. Um, I thought that that was all home goods and it was separate. You can get it no. for a to-go order. Yep. I- and so then I just explored all the different categories and I can buy like puzzles and like coffee pots and <laughs> that's amazing all sorts of things I don't need I don't need a coffee pot but I was just like what else could I add to my cart so who else has a thing that doesn't suck I can go go <laughs> Callie hey my thing that doesn't suck is has a little bit of a backstory so last night I had a dream that I was cast in a new show and it was Teen Witch the musical. <laughs> Based on the 1989 like masterpiece team. Robin, what's your name? Sure. So um, in this musical, I had the role of um, of like performing the top that rap. I wasn't that the character what? for the entire show, but I got to do the top that rap. But only the director told me 
if I would could like prove that I was hip enough. And like as she said it, she like made like weird like the girl in top that like weird like hand motions. Um, like but Kelly's got to show that she can handle the hipness, can and I then she'll get to do that. So I then don't know I that rap is what. I don't know what the top that rap is. Well, then you obviously haven't seen Teen Witch. Not for a long, long time since I was like yeah. in junior high. So it's from me. Okay. <laughs> so it's like the infamous top that rap from <laughs> Teen Witch. So the I was supposed to get this opportunity to perform this rap, but I had to prove that I was hip enough. And so. Um, we were rehearsing every single day at five o'clock in the morning because somehow that was going to help us avoid getting COVID. And I don't know why or how, but that's what we were doing. And so like, I was determined to like prove that I was hip enough to get this, to be able to perform this thing. But then I woke up, so I will never know if I was actually hip enough to perform that. But all of that is a happy thought that, my happy thought is Teen Witch, guys. Teen Witch. <laughs> Just that it exists. Quality film. And top that rap. If you haven't seen it, you can go right now to YouTube and you can find it right now and you can have top that in your life. So Hannah is the only one who has not gone. My happy thought is that I've been watching Community again and I really love Community. And it's a really great show, and it makes me happy. Yay for happy. That's it. <laughs> Small pleasures, right? The little things. Yep. What's everybody going to do the rest of the day? I don't know. Me either. We have a Zoom call with Matt's grandparents. Oh, that's fun. Well, well I think I better get going, guys. Yeah, I should probably go, too. Oh. It yeah. is time to go. Yeah. Cool. Take time, though. Well, love you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.